All right. This might go down as one of the most epic episodes of Inappropriate Earl ever. <laughs> uh, I'd like to first off give a shout out to my sponsor, my only sponsor, the great singer from Rats, Stephen Piercy, and his company, Mike Knuckles. <laughs> Mike For Knuckles. you uh, tax cheating, uh, unfunny comics out there, you want to look cool on stage while you're bombing. Go uh, on Twitter and buy a pair of Mike Knuckles. So they're so uh, unique that people won't notice you're bombing <laughs> till the second joke you tell. Uh, and I'd like to thank Stevie Rochelle from the great band Tough for providing the opening and closing music to Inappropriate Earl, the great Tough song, Forever Yours. Should have been a big hit, but uh, just came a little late to the party in the 80s. And I'd also like to thank the great Jim Philbin, Turtle from the North Shore. His episode that was dropped, as the kids say, is burning up the charts. Uh, John Philbin, follow him on Facebook. And that leads me to my guest today. Uh, we had probably what was one of the greatest inappropriate Earl podcast ever on Saturday. <laughs> as we were watching the UFC, just vibing about... Uh, L.A. comedy, the struggles, boxing. Uh, he even said the N-word five minutes in, uh, <laughs> which I'm hoping he'll do today just to get the room going. He's black, and trust me, when I post this picture up, he's black. Uh, and there was one problem with the podcast. About 58 minutes in, I looked over my left shoulder as I was sitting in my captain's chair and realized that I didn't press record. <laughs> Yeah, that was a problem. So we're going to, as the great rat, the great Stephen Piercy would say, this man came back for more. Please put your dirty, greasy, untalented hands together for the one, the only, Mr. Jeremy Paul. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, nigga, 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 nigga. Uh, there you go. <laughs> Personally, I would have liked you to say it a little slower because it sounded like you were saying the GGA ending. Oh, but well, no, I, I'll say uh, just I'll give say us it. one free and clear, free and clear, nigger. All right. Well, you don't get that on the opening two minutes of a podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time trying to figure out how to hashtag that. But uh, the, the funny thing is, I never say the word usually. I never say it. There's, I see no. What's an awful word? It's not that. It's just that I I, I have better insults uh, than nigger. Uh, Whoa. Could, All right. Let's I, not get too. I'd like oh, for this sorry. episode to air. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, uh, I mean, N-word-er. Yeah, yeah. Er. <laughs> N-word-er. Uh, but no, I, yeah, I just don't. I There's words that I don't use usually because I'd rather call somebody a troglodyte. A, well, I don't know what the hell. That's way too deep for my <laughs> fan base. So you know, what my favorite word is actually what my favorite word of all time is blatherskite. And what is a you listen? This might be a short podcast. If you're... <laughs> no, a blatherskite is someone that talks at length about something they don't know. Well, that's L.A. comics. Yeah, that's a lot of them. Uh, so, like I, the, as as I've uh, known that word for a long time, I have a huge vocabulary. And back in second grade, I said that I called my my second grade teacher that, and the next day I got called to the office, because uh, 
Yeah, she didn't know what the word meant. Well, it's funny you say that, and you're involved, uh, or you were involved in this show. There is a thread on Facebook right now about uh, a lot of controversy with the show uh, Roast Battle. and uh, Really? Uh, yeah, there's, uh, long story short, uh, there's now uh, a roast, but there's going to be a roast battle show in New York. Okay. And uh, it, it's like blowing up on Facebook. People are, are chiming in because uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, the show is Brian Moses and Rel Battles right. uh, creation, although uh, you might get arguments on uh, on that. Uh, it's, it's never been really clear as to whose show it was. And then, you know, Jeff Ross came on board, so it was like, well, is it his show? Is it their show? Is it two out of the three shows? Right. Uh, Rel is doing his show in New York. Uh, okay, so he's the, he's starting up a New York leg, in other words. Yeah, but uh, supposedly it's not going to have the Negro wave. It's not going to have the house hater. It's uh, huh, so all the fun things. Well, I mean, you might look at it as that way, but, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, New York's a gritty vibe, uh, so uh, <laughs> I'm sure they'll make it work. But uh, there's a thread on Facebook where everyone's chiming in. And uh, probably eighty percent of the people know nothing about what's actually going on, so it's it's like, <laughs> so the uninformed riling up the uninformed. Yeah, it's like, uh, well, it's this person's show. Well, how do you know that? Oh, well, I heard that at the belly room. Oh, okay. Well, that that makes it their show then, I guess. <laughs> you know, but you were on roast battle and one yeah. of the uh, legendary. You caused. I mean. <laughs> I would say uh, in the history of Roast Battle, which I, I believe has been about two years, maybe a little less. Yeah, um, more or less. You know, because it kind of, uh, you know, uh, how it started was Stephanie Simbari from Funny Girls. Okay. Showing Oxygen. Uh, uh, she was doing an open mic there on Tuesday nights because they had uh, nothing in the room. Right. And then uh, it wasn't the best, not because of Stephanie, but it just, you know, wasn't doing well for whatever reason. I think a lot of the funnier comics had shows on Tuesday nights. Which is normal. So it was kind of a, you know, clusterfuck. And then uh, <laughs> right. Brian Moses took it over. So I don't know if Roast Battle ever had an official start date. But, I thought uh, I thought it all started like the, the, the rap battle, the rap roast battles was first. Then the roast battle happened. Well, from what I, I, you might be right. I mean, the show is so clouded in mystery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, we are recording, so I'm very happy about that. <laughs> I'm so scared to leave. It, it, well, you're you're afraid that if you walk more than ten feet away, it'll, it'll yeah, just... like I might trip over a dog toy. I mean, you know, my dog Lois says I think she set up booby traps on this podcast. So that could I, happen. That could happen. Well, she's you know she's a cool dog, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I. I my original uh, belief uh, is that the roast battle started when uh, very soon after Moses took over the show. Yeah, uh, I think Kenny Lyon, who's a legendary LA open micer, uh -huh. I shouldn't say open micer. I, I always hate that term. Uh, a new comic. Yeah, uh, unknown comic. Be, yeah. yeah. Well, shit, I'm an unknown comic. I mean... Uh, no, no, you, you have credits. <laughs> yeah. I've got one. <laughs> and it's not this podcast. <laughs> uh, and uh, Josh Martin, who's, uh, I guess you could say, uh, he's a comedy store employee, but he's a very funny comic. They almost got into a fight, and Moses said something to the effect of, why don't you guys battle? Right. And then it started. And, and that was he, the beginning. Yeah, and then each week, it, it uh, I think I came on about the second or third week, and uh, let's just say, and I don't think anyone will argue this, 
that some of those early battles weren't that good. Uh, no, they were. I, I, I heard, I think the first battle I went to, because, you know, I wanted to see what everybody was talking about. I think the first battle I went to was uh, the, the Alex Hooper battle, like his battle with Jason Van Glass. I think that might have been the first that I went to. That was a pretty good battle, right? Yeah, it? that was a great battle. And I was like, okay, this is what this is? Well, but- it kind of, uh, you know, I think in the early days, and, and I wish Moses was here because, you know, I'm I'm guessing, because I still don't get told much about the show, even, even though I think I'm the <laughs> second most tenured person on the show now. Likely. I mean, this <laughs> show is like Whitesnake in the mid-90s. <laughs> a lot of people leave and come back, and you don't yeah. know who's in it and who's not, but... Uh, you know, when I'm one of the holdovers on a show, you know it's a fucked up show. Uh, right. But I think uh, after a couple of those early bad battles, it was like, well, we got to start booking these. And we got to yeah. start like... Which is uh, smart. Which is smart. Oh, yeah. Moses... Uh, get, some am- gets a, get some... They have the am- the early amateur rounds, and then they have the uh, the main event rounds, which they probably, sh- probably should have, you know, bigger headliners doing it. But... You know they're they're promoting people that end up getting sh- fucking shots at stage time now. Well, as they you know, uh, yeah. you know it, it's hard. I think especially now, and, and even like when you did it, it's hard to get funny people to want to do it because it's a lot of work. Yeah, you right. know it's not. Uh, there's only one guy who's amazing at it, George Perez. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who doesn't really prepare? He just wings it. Right. Uh, which is very hard, and he's a hard guy to go up against because yeah. you know he's not going to prepare, and so there's no real counters. You, yeah, but here's the thing: like what he's doing is casing. Like, you know what is that? Back home, like people call it the dozens out here, but what we call it back home in Illinois, we call it casing. Like, like if you're just insults, base insults, it's like the the, the first thing that you see. That's what you're talking about in insulting, like. Man, that shirt is so tight, you can blah, 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 right. blah. So what, that's what he does. All he's doing is casing. Like, there's no, like, I could do that. But I didn't do that for my battle because, one, people wanted well-written jokes. Two, uh, I didn't give enough of a shit to, <laughs> to, to write well because I was working on my album. That was the most important thing to me. So, but- I, I, like, I, I. We talked about this, but I'll I'll tell yeah, you. Yeah, we talked about it on the yeah. last podcast, but <laughs> due to a technical glitch, <laughs> and by technical glitch, I mean I didn't fucking hit record. <laughs> I now know what I did wrong. What? What'd you do wrong? I was so excited to have a black man in my house. <laughs> Come on, you've seen Bo Jackson before. Well, yeah, but he hasn't been in my house. Oh, okay, okay. You might be, now that I think about it... I, well, the first guest of Inappropriate Earl, uh, the great porn star Jason Washington, he's black. Okay, okay. You might, li- I, I literally might, might, you might be the second black person ever to be in my house. <laughs> well, that's, I guess that's a good thing. Uh, you're, well, in, you're slowly integrating your house, that's what you're saying. Well, see, my building has a no blacks policy after seven, so I we're going to understand have, that. I'm going to have to wrap this podcast up. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you know, black people dirty up the pool. So uh, that's... <laughs> Tell me about it, unless I got shoe polish. <laughs> I just hacked Don Rickles. Sorry about that, Don. Sorry about that, Don. But, so on, on the, what happened for my battle, which I'll get into, because, well, it needs to be said... Um, now, Leah K. Janian is who I went up against. Um, 
Leah, very funny. Yeah, very funny girl. Very funny comic. Uh, she's a she's done road. She's from Oklahoma. Like I I can what I what I always said was I'm not gonna battle somebody that I I would have no respect for whatsoever. Like it has to be somebody that I have so, a semblance of respect for. And I've seen her on stage. She's actually funny, and she gets real deep, like personal with her stand up. So I was like, all right. And then she asked me to do it. Like, all right, fine, I'll do it for you. Right. So you guys are like an open mic. You guys know each right. other, uh, like, friends I'll, or acquaintances? Just casual acquaintances. Okay. Because Alex Alex Hooper is a friend of mine, and he said he wrote me and was like, "Yeah, Leah, Leah wants to do the roast battle, and I know you don't mind doing it. Would you do it with her?" And I was like, "Sure, just uh, hook us up." So me and her got together. We talked for a bit. Uh, I told her some stuff about me. And then I didn't ask her anything about her because I was like, I'll just find the stuff online. Don't worry about it. And then I couldn't find anything online about her because, like, she's, you know, she's an unknown. She, like myself, we're all fucking unknowns. So, well, so. speak for yourself, man. I'm a star. <laughs> true, true. But uh, so, like, I we were talking a week before the battle. Um we we found out that we weren't going to be the undercard, which is what we were supposed to be. Which is one round each. Right, audience right. votes. That's that's all we're, we're we're supposed to be. So with a week left, Moses uh, emailed us both like, "Hey, do y'all mind being the headliners, the the uh, the main event?" And she responded, "Yes, we'll do it." And I I was like, "Oh, okay." I was only preparing five jokes for this. <laughs> so so she uh like she wrote me was like like. I was like, oh, that's okay, right? I was like, yeah, it's fine. Don't worry about it. So about uh, like three days after that, like uh, Friday, it was a Friday. We were at Saber e Cultura. It's an open mic on uh, on Hollywood because, you know, I'm working out jokes, trying to get the last. Because I had a show that next week that I was going to record and put on the album, right? Right. So I'm not thinking anything about the Rose Battle. <laughs> so... I, like we were talking, and I had found out who the judges were going to be. And who were the judges? The judges were uh, Rel Battle, Tony Hinchcliffe, and Jeff Ross. Right. So in my head, I was like, "Oh, uh, I'll just go talk about them." So I told her the plan. My plan was like start off on her a little bit, and then go after the judges because, like, we we had a week to write jokes. They're they, there's other battlers that, like the the head, the main event battles where they give them like three three four weeks. They know three four weeks in advance that they're they're going to do this. We had a week to write twenty thirty jokes that are killer. Like that's not going to work out. So why so, would you say that? Well, it's such a positive vibe up there. <laughs> yeah. So so like she was like okay, and the only other person that heard us in the back was Pat Regan. Pat the great, Regan, uh, I don't want to say guitar comic, but yeah. uh, what would you? How would you describe a music guitar comic? Okay, uh, <laughs> like like he's funny, but he, he's known for the guitar. Like you got, I would be labeled as a black comic because I'm I'm black and you got that right. I'm a comic, so unfortunately I, I'm not, but I I will be labeled as one. So Pat Regan overheard us, and he was like, "You're really going to do that?" I was like, "Yeah, just don't tell anybody." And to his credit. He kept it a secret. I don't even think he's told people yet. So we get to the battle, and, like, you know, the first battle was all right. It was good. And I looked at Leah and gave her the nod. She was like, okay, so we go on stage. She, she 
tells a joke. I tell a joke because I go first, then she tells a joke, and it's a killer, right? It's a murderer. And I was like, okay. Do you remember what it was? Uh, something about um, I can't I can't remember the the gist of it was uh, Jer- oh yeah, she said uh, Jeremy on his website uh, used to be in rap music. Uh, he has a rap song out on his rap- on his website because he wanted to fail at all the thing. And it murdered. It absolutely, the wave was on stage, waving the arms and fucking, you know, niggering it out. And, uh, sorry, Cooning. Cooning. Yeah. Let's Listen, go with Cooning. I'm uh, trying to capture the uh, 18 to 49 <laughs> audience. Uh, can you just, uh, next time, just right. say, uh, Jigaboo? Jigging out. Yeah. I'll jig it. Uh, so, so they, um, they got on stage. They, they, it, it was funny. And I sat there and I laughed. And then, I started going after the judges. I went after Tony first, and it bombed. <laughs> I was like, Which nobody does. Like right. usually, it's just uh, you know you you stick to the other person on stage. You might crack on uh, the wave or my section, the uh, house haters. You know, right. uh, nobody ever has gone after the judges like you did. Right. So I did that, and then uh, you remember what you said about Tony? What I I think I, I think I said um um that. Cause I was, I made a reference to 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 what Leah said. I was like, yeah, that that joke was cute. It was adorable. It was almost as adorable as Tony Hinchcliffe's O face, and it bombed. It every right to bomb. Absolutely, I yeah, remember. Terrible. Uh, and but I and I even stumbled over it, which made it less funny. So, <laughs> so I was like, ah, oh, fuck. And then he like he of course was like, huh? everybody was like, what's going on? And I just let it alone. So the round's over. Right, and uh, and Jeff Ross was like uh, on like doing his judging, right? And no, the round's not over yet. So Jeff Ross <laughs> is launching into me, like, uh, and he's insulting me, right? And like, <laughs> so this is the only line I had prepared. The only line I had prepared <laughs> was. Waiting for Jeff Ross because I he insults everybody, Compe- he insults all the competitors. So I was ready for him, and anything he was going to say about me, I was ready. So what I said was, <laughs> uh, "You have a lot to say for somebody to, somebody that buys their jokes," and the crowd goes nuts, and like you can see it, and like really he like that's that's a un- that's like the unspoken code you don't say that. But I don't give a shit. It's not like he's helping my career. So, <laughs> so like, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I do that. And Jeff, I don't uh, condone uh, <laughs> any of Jeremy's views. <laughs> right. It's it's a dirty thing. I it was dirty. I know it was, but I knew it was going to be funny. But I think he appreciated. Yeah. I I think after the roast, he he would look back and go, "That's pretty funny." Right. Right. We actually talked not that long ago. Not that long after, we talked a couple of days later, and he understood what I was doing. Like he told me, he was like, "I knew what you were doing." And then he he said something that resonated. He was like, "You got to remember, I voted for you all three rounds." And he did. He actually voted for me all three rounds. And uh, let me just say this: the judging at some of these roast battles can be a bit pro wrestlingish. <laughs> right, right. So I'm I'm being the heel, but what made the the battle legendary was Leslie Jones losing her shit because I insulted Jeff Ross. And Leslie, yeah. um, 
She, uh, I don't think she's ever judged a roast battle, but she's no. at, at a few of them was, uh, let's just say a presence. <laughs> like I, I'd never, like I, I've said, I've never heard of her. I've never, I, I've heard of, I've heard of her, but I'd never seen her on stage. I've never seen her on, I don't own a TV. So I didn't know she was on SNL. I don't read the trades cause I'm not an actor. So I didn't know she was, I don't know. I seriously knew nothing about her until. Somebody was in, telling me about Johnny LaQuasto was telling me about her later on. Well, Johnny LaQuasto, for those of you wondering who the hell is that, he's like the <laughs> he's like the Harvey Levin of the comedy world. He, <laughs> he's got he's got his fingers in the air. He knows where the wind's blowing. Yeah, he's he. Me and him have been friends for a long time. And great guy. Yeah, he's a great dude. Uh, he's got me into like he wherever he goes, basically I go. I'm I'm his uh, shadow. Uh, <laughs> You're a dark shadow for oh, him. Yeah, I'm trying to be in his wings. Uh, get get on that TV show, man. So, um, like, she loses her shit and she's screaming and hollering at me and yelling, "I'm not funny." And uh, like, I'm mur- like, I'm trying to say stuff back, but she's loud and black. So uh, there's nothing I can do. And yeah, all hell breaks loose. But selfishly, fun. that really helped me. Uh, probably maybe the greatest applause I've ever gotten on a line when you guys started to really go after each other. I'm like, listen, they're attacking. Let them go. <laughs> nice. Well, I, I appreciate, yeah. you know, the racial, uh, you know, <laughs> laugh you got me. No, the, the, uh, the, all in all of me doing this, like after, after I got off stage, well, after the boat, the roast was over and I had lost cause I knew I was going to lose. I, I gave Leah a hug and I told her, like, basically, thanks for doing this for me. You remember what I was going to do, right? She's like, yeah, of course. I'll keep your secret. I'm fine. So a couple of days later, I, I come back to the store and everybody's somber about it. And apparently uh, Leslie Jones had uh, said some things. I don't, I don't care either way. But, uh, yeah, so me and, me and Jeff talked. We, he went on stage. And uh, me like he got off stage. It was a it was a Thursday night, I think. He got off stage, and me and him talked, hashed it out, and basically he was like, "Yeah, I knew what you were doing. That's all." And I was like, "Thank you for knowing, because this could have went terrible. <laughs> this could have really." I, I'm not afraid of anybody, but you know, I don't want people thinking I'm a I'm I'm fucking Andy Kaufman up there. You know what I mean? Well, but you also, I must say, before we uh, get into other things, you I thought you had the line of the night when oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Leslie was making her, let's just say, exit uh, of the show, and she said, I'm going to go get high. <laughs> yeah. You kind of got a big laugh, but right in the middle, at the height of that laugh, you said... Uh, yeah, go enjoy the rock. And, and, I, <laughs> and I think because I'm right, I was right by you on the stage, it was like, wow... <laughs> that, that deserved better. Yeah, that's that's. I guess that's the the breaks. I couldn't really say that. I couldn't wait for the laugh to die down and say it. I had to say it in the moment. And I don't think uh, she heard it. And of course if she, not. If she did. It would have been. I think she would have stormed back and take the mic. And you guys might have had an impromptu roast battle. <laughs> Likely, uh, yeah. I wouldn't have known anything about her. I would had I known that she was on Ghostbusters. Uh, and that she was going to be there, I would have had a bunch of. Uh, I would have called her Ernie Hudson. 
Uh, <laughs> like he, There's his resemblance. <laughs> just, <laughs> I would I would have had a bunch of stuff ready, but I didn't know anything about it. I love me some Ernie Hudson. <laughs> that guy is like the black Stallone. He doesn't turn down oh. any movie. Plus, he's he's still acting, isn't he? Oh yeah, he was in. Uh, what was it? I saw him in something recently where he was like uh, like a fox. He does TV movies. He'll do. I mean, he's that's a guy. He's pretty well known, but the stereotypical. I know that guy, but I don't know his name. Right. Uh, like, well, black people know his name. We know his name because we know him as uh, as the 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 other warden on Oz. And he was also the uh, warden in uh, the Substitute uh, Two. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, had uh, <laughs> not with Tom Berenger, but with uh, Treat Williams. That's right. So uh, he's a very and he made me cry to this day. Really. I I've cried at under five movies. Uh, okay, what's uh, your, what's your five? What's your under five? I mean, you know, uh, well that scene and because I was raised essentially, my dad was away in business a lot, and this is about you, but it, it's kind of germane to the topic. Okay, uh, and so we had a black, um, not uh, butler's, like not, not the right word, um, but, <laughs> caretaker. Uh, caretaker i guess you'd say he did everything for us right. and uh he was basically my stepdad uh even though my parents were uh, happily married and ernie hudson looked uh he looked just like ernie hudson and oh, okay so that scene at the end of hand that rocks the cradle where in the movie he was the uh caretaker to the child right and uh at the where the psycho girl comes back to kill the family he's cradling the child and the, the psycho girls like trying to kill the baby but he's shielding the baby and in the movie they had him kind of talk with a stutter like i'll be he talked like mush mouth right right and i just every time i see that scene to this that that if that scene came on right now i would cry because it reminds me of leroy his name was leroy leroy prince and we sorry to laugh god no here's the thing we grew up in bel-air uh, so I was raised by Leroy Prince of Bel Air, and <laughs> to show you, no, I'm I'm not trying to be fu- I'm not I, I'm not been running on you. I know, but it's, still, it's, it's funny. And it's fucking funny to show you how racist Bel Air was in the '70s. You know, now there's rappers, NBA players, yeah. NFL. Uh, you know, Russell Simmons. Uh, the dude who I'm sure created empires lives there. <laughs> but back in the seventies, we had two black people in Bel Air. OJ, who was cool to me. I got <laughs> I got no fucking problem with what, OJ. What kind of candy did he give out on Halloween? None, but he did throw the football with me a few times. Oh, okay. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And Kareem. Ah yes. And who's light skinned, but he still qualifies. No, he's once you're seven feet tall and black, you 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 qualify as but as black as is good. Well, in Bel Air in the '70s, you qualified. <laughs> and to see, I'll never forget the visual of him jogging through the neighborhood in like these dolphin shorts and his glasses on. <laughs> it was just oh. like I really thought he was a fucking alien. I mean, because well, yeah, and he lived in a house that had no corners. Like I, I'm not exactly sure the reason. I, I he didn't like corners or something. So his house was like a, a miniature version of the L.A. Forum. It was like just wow. Um, and but Leroy was very. He was like, you're shade black. Very black. <laughs> and we got pulled over more times in Bel Air when he was driving me to school. 
Yeah. Because they thought he was kidnapping me. Of course. I so, went to thought he was. I was like, hey, kid, you okay? Is so, this, this man taking you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one time I had long hair. I used to have like, uh, almost looked like I was in the Partridge family. I had like <laughs> kind of that Danny Bonaducci, like really? shag cut. And the cop pulls us over because Leroy drove a, a green Dodge Charger. Oh. Black dude and a green Dodge Charger in Bel Air. Oh, yeah. He's asking for it. So he takes <laughs> Leroy out of the car, puts him in the car, and comes back and looks at me and goes, Miss, do you know this man? <laughs> I'm like, Miss. Miss? What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> now, one last thing about Leroy. Uh-huh. And this just goes to show you the different time, era, whatever you want to call it. Leroy, yeah. every Tuesday, would take me to, I think it was like Colorado and Fifth and Santa Monica to Sambo's. <laughs> <laughs> which eventually uh-huh. became Denny's. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna go, I'm gonna take my, my my little white friend to Sambo. Which is crazy that there was an actual restaurant called Sambo's, and I don't remember the logo. And I'm sure when I post this podcast, some fan will find the actual fucking logo. It, I want to uh, say it was like of a black dude tap dancing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like a fucking cream of wheat black dude with a bone ring in his nose. Oh, that's hilarious. Uh, I, I hope it was a portrait of Bill Bailey just doing the moonwalk. That's what I want. Well, here's the crazy thing is I was recently in Santa Barbara. There's a restaurant still called Sambo's. Really? And I said, I got to go there. Oh, Best man. breakfast I've ever had in my life. Really? So if you're in Santa Barbara, go to Sambo's Diner off the ocean. But this all goes back to Ernie Hudson. All right, enough about my family. <laughs> so, how did your life change after roast battle? Uh, it didn't. There my, you go. Welcome I, to my world. <laughs> my life stayed the same. Uh, people ask me about it uh, for about three days. Uh, they they were very curious. Like, hey, Jeremy, what what's it feel like to be on World Star? I was like, it's on World Star. <laughs> like yo 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 like, yeah yeah and so like yeah I uh I my life stayed the same I went back to working on my album and doing shows because I was I was talking to Jake Kroger that night and Jake uh who's uh, better known as the Comedy Bureau uh so that's I, his website yeah that's okay. his website so that's why I he's quite, I I honestly call him the most powerful man in comedy. Because nobody knows who he is, but they know his website. But yeah, but that's a great angle. Yeah, yeah, and he's 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 amassed a lot of power. I kid you not. But like, how? I mean, I'm not. I know Comedy Bureau was uh, a site where open mic or beginning comics, whatever, yeah. would go because they rate shows like the open mics or something. Well, kind of like Bad Slava. So, sort of like Bad Slava, but he tells you what you need to do. At the open mics, basically, like uh, this this mic, you you have to pay three dollars and blah blah blah. Buy a drink this, or whatever. This mic is a, a a lottery, so you know how to plan your day, basically. If you're going to hit five or six open mics in a night, so that he has that, and then he he has like entertainment people from entertain entertainment send stuff to him to have him preview it. Like uh, if you have a CD coming out. 
they sent it to him first. And you do? Yeah. What is the name of your CD? Uh, the name of my CD is I Have No Credits. The full name is actually The Acabra Presents I Have No Credits. Uh, so it's on iTunes and Amazon and blah, blah, blah. No, no, let's not go blah, blah, blah. Uh, iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, Pandora. Uh, no matter what, if you if you go on Pandora and just listen to it or add my station, Jeremy Paul, uh, you can listen to it. Uh, you can listen to it on Spotify. I get paid that way either way. Uh, if you can buy it, that way you can have it in your phone and listen to it over and over again. And I don't get any money from that outside of you buying it the first time. <laughs> but, you know, either way it goes, just, you know, buy the album. It's fun. There's a lot of great people on the album that help who, me out. Like who? Like uh, there's uh, Johnny LaQuasto, who's previously mentioned, uh, uh, Jay Kroger, and uh, yourself. Uh, you're That's on there as well. That's what I was well. trying to get you to say. <laughs> Earl Skakel is on. He's actually the lead off on track four. Uh, he's very, it's very good because uh, it's a music, it's mixture of comedy and music, but it's not musical comedy. That's what I was going for. So, well, I think that what was the, uh, I remember you wanted the people to talk about their thoughts on LA comedy. Was no, it? what it was, was I wanted you to talk about the struggle of comedy. Okay. And so the track that you're on has, I believe six people, six or seven people talking about their different struggles in comedy and how it relates to life. And it's, People love. I haven't had a bad review of the album on any site yet. Even the people that bootlegged my album on in Russia, like I checked the Russian websites to, that are bootlegging my my record. They have they're crediting other people for the songs, but they, but they they still review the record in a positive light. Like, well, everybody likes the album. I just need to get it out there. But uh, so what was I saying before I mentioned? We're talking about uh. You know, Jay Kroger. Oh, so, yeah. But, yeah, he's he's amassed a lot of power over the last four and a half years uh, of doing the Comedy Bureau. And so me and him were talking, and he was after a roast battle, and he was mad at me because I didn't tell him what I was going to do because he went there to see me win the roast battle. Right. Because he, he knows I'm a good comic. A lot of people that went to that roast battle, has, they've never seen me do an hour on stage. They've never seen me headline shows, but – there's other people that have that were there that didn't know what I was going to do. So they were mad at me. People were honestly mad at me for basically throwing the roast battle. They're like, I came there to see you do jokes. I was like, yeah, but I, I made it memorable. Oh, that you did. I mean, yeah, uh... and that's, that's the entire point. You give the crowd the best entertainment possible. Do you want to hear me and her tell jokes to each other? Or do you want to see somebody go after the judges and, you know, the judges actually go after people because these are the headliners. These are the people that people are supposed to know. They don't know us. They know them. Let them have some fun. And that's what I intended to do, and it, it worked. Oh, I mean, it's uh, definitely, a, 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 what, uh, over 100 roast battles, maybe probably around 150. Yeah. If you add up the individual undercards and whatnot, there's been hundreds. Yeah. Uh, definitely a top five moment. Uh, yeah. And that's a, that's what I want. That I don't want to just be one of the forget. Nobody remembers the uh, the the battle that happened before ours. I don't. So that's what you want. You want to be the best show on a show. You want to be the best entertainers on the show. And we did that. 
Oh yeah, I mean, I, uh, I've, you know, even great battles, you, you almost forget about them a few minutes yeah. after they're done. You yeah. Know, like I, you know, last week was a great battle with Doug Fager and uh, Leah. Yeah, uh, Leah. Uh, had her first loss apparently but I mean I honestly think if you ask people this week who won last week's battle some would say Leah like they, <laughs> right. they weren't even listening when it was announced who the winner was, it was exactly just, great battle let's go down to the patio and get some pussy right let's let's fuck uh, some some female comics let's uh, let's try to get some f- new yeah. female comics to believe that we're producers let's uh, <laughs> well I used to do that I mean <laughs> I used to be. I, I heard uh, the rumors of Earl Skako back when I was just doing Long Beach shows. Oh, really? that I was a ladies man. Yeah. Well, I, I, was I like, used to hear about you all the time, man. I was like the Delia of uh, open mics. <laughs> I mean, I, and I mean that, uh, Chris, if you're listening to this, believe me, it's a compliment. Uh, <laughs> you know, I would love to interview uh, you on the podcast, but if you can't make it, I would just like to talk to your dick because that, <laughs> that your dick has gone places I'll probably never go. Well, you know, give it time. <laughs> I don't have that much time, uh, but uh, well, well, you know, uh, you know, I, I uh... like like my boy Kozatek. Back this is like back in two thousand six. Uh, I I had just come off the road and I was talking to Eric Kozatek, who great was, dude, yeah. And he was like, "Have you met Earl Skakel?" I was like, "No. Uh, why should I have met Earl Skakel by now? Because I wasn't coming up here. I wasn't coming up to long to." I was doing like the Orange County scene, which is like, probably for, a better scene. Like for open mics, I was just doing the Orange County scene, and then I go out and do road shows because I would come up here and I would do Marvin Mary's because uh, <laughs> I you did know, that once or twice. Yeah, but I liked going up repeatedly. I didn't want to have to pay five dollars and just go up once. I wanted right. to go up repeatedly, and Bino didn't charge you. He just let you go up. You didn't have to buy a bottle of water. Well, I don't think Bino had a good uh, business sense. No, no, he 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 didn't. But he's a nice guy. He's actually on my Facebook still, uh, and he's still acting. So you know it is what it is. But like, I would go up to Marvin Mary's, do that open mic with like Ty Rivera was there. Uh, who else? Sean Green. A lot of a lot of comics there. Still road comics. Or we would all go to Marvin Mary's. I, I'm still friends with all these cats. Oh so, yeah, great guys. So, but. I would uh, I would stay in Orange County, and Kozatek was like, "Dude, you need to meet Earl Skakel. You you two get as bald as much pussy as humanly possible." <laughs> like, well, I mean, you know, I I would I would I would I, I'm known I was known back then for basically three things because I was there was a time where I was gambling hard and winning a lot of money, so I would go to open mics and I would just buy everybody food, and then cool. I you know because I had the money, I was like, hey. Just, who, food's on me and you know broke comics yeah jeremy so <laughs> i bought favor uh so so uh like people knew me down there i was known for flashing cash and having sex with strippers and being funny but more having sex with strippers good for you i would take i would take comics to like strip clubs and like like me and joe Braza, we would go to strip clubs and I mean, Joe Brazza. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Joe Brazza. If it was raining pussy, that guy would get hit in the head with a dick. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, there, there was a day that me and Joe Brazza went to a strip club, and this motherfucker bought a philosophy book. <laughs> he was reading the book. There's girls on stage in front of him flashing ass, and he's got the book out. 
It's <laughs> like, come on, man. That sounds about the Joe I know. <laughs> so, but everybody used to talk about you in the Orange County scenes. So, I was like, all right, eventually I'll meet Earl, and then I did. Where did we meet? We we formally met at a... At Eye candy? No, nah, at a laugh down. At a, oh, right, right. Because me and you ended up on a show where uh, I think you moved on and I didn't or something like that. Well, like it, was the, a, it was a second round or some shit. The judging in those laugh downs uh, <laughs> makes the judging and roast battles seem appropriate. I mean, <laughs> right. It's like I, I would like see people bomb and advance, and you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say I killed, but you know, I did pretty good. And I'm like, I didn't advance. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and like, I think we were on a week where I, I don't want to say their names because they're also my Facebook and they're huge fans. But uh, we we were sitting there like, dude, if they make it and we don't. Uh, we should both quit comedy. And we should have. <laughs> so I guess we and then we did a couple of other shows, I think, uh, after that. We became cool. It was what? like, yeah, this is Earl Skakel. I know him now. Yeah. I remember uh, doing shows with you at Eye Candy, uh, which yeah. was a cool uh, book show run by Shane Michael, legendary yeah. Shane Michael in the LBC area. Yeah. And uh, we would look at porn in the upstairs loft. Yeah, that was fun. That was when I <laughs> discovered Wi-Fi at these places. Go, oh, this is a good way to kill time. Well, <laughs> you've got you know some was, ham some... and egg on stage bombing. <laughs> it was beautiful, man. So beautiful. Uh, you know, I miss those days, kind of like doing shows with you and Shane and and some of the you know Eric uh, Kosiatek. I mean, yeah. just. Uh, although I'm glad to be progressing to a degree, I, I do miss the camaraderie. Yeah, like Kozatek has he's since quit doing stand up. A lot of people have quit. Smart guy. Yeah, he quit, and now he's uh like he works on movies. Like he's the he's the guy that hires people from like movie sets. He so he's traveling the country. I think he's in New York right now. But uh, like whenever he's in town, we whenever there's a Marvel movie coming out, he makes sure to come to town. So me and him can go to the midnight showing of the Marvel movie. So, I mean, like me and him are great friends. We we still hang out. Oh yeah, no, he was. Uh, I think the last time I saw him, he put together some show at a uh, college or something. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe likely an art college or, or some weird, uh, like an arts type of college, and uh, it was a pretty good show and uh, free food. And uh, <laughs> I remember, uh, I think I saw the. Uh, the burger he gave me. I think he was the grill guy, and I literally <laughs> saw the burger moving. Probably uh, on the grill. Like, you know, then, I'll just take a soda, man. Like, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I don't want diarrhea before my show. Right. So, but now let's uh, dig into. I find interesting where you are from. Like we uh, we brought this up the other day. Right. Right. Of course, no one will ever hear that. Of course. Um, you said to me that I. Yeah. In the history of the world will be the greatest comic to ever come from Bel Air. Yeah, you're 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 the best comic ever. Pro- yeah, probably ever to come out of Bel Air, Bel-Air. California. And yeah. you have the unfortunate <laughs> uh, luck of the draw, whatever yeah. you want to call it, to be from Peoria, Illinois. Yeah, not that's a great city, home of the Peoria Rivermen. <laughs> you actually looked that up, didn't you? No, I just I'm a big hockey. I actually oh, okay. have a Peoria Riverman hockey jersey. Really? Uh, game is, worn. Is it Tony Twist? Oh my God, a Tony Twist, one of the great uh, legendary uh, 
Last of the NHL goons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, this guy was a goon. <laughs> I know. Um, I, mean, I, I got into hockey when I was nine. So, like, you, during the, uh, during the summers, well, not during the summers, but during the, uh, the winters, like, during school year, we, they used to, the Peoria Rivermen used to give out tickets at our school. And just to get the kids to come out to hockey games. So, I got into hockey when I was nine. I, my first game was a Peoria Rivermen's uh, uh, game. I sat in the bleeds, and uh, there were six fights in the first period. And I'm sure Tony Twist was in five of them. <laughs> he might have been, but uh, I, it's I love I love hockey. I'm a I'm a Red Wings fan. They're uh, a good team. Great. But, I mean, you know, yeah, they they suck this year. Well, they made it to playoffs, but they still suck. They didn't win. But uh, <laughs> so like, uh, but yeah, I I unfortunately, as far as Peoria goes. Um, who? Uh, what other two comics are from Peoria? Uh, no, there's there's a bunch of us that are actually good. But why I will never be like yourself, the best from Bel Air. I will never be the best from Peoria, Illinois, because Richard Pryor is from Peoria, Illinois. Heard of him? Yeah. Uh, number two would uh, be Sam Kennison. He lived in Peoria, Illinois. He did okay for himself. Yeah. And number three, who I'm tr- I'm trying to battle with is Royce Elliott. Uh, who's known as the cleanest comic in in America? They actually built a statue out of uh, in Peoria for him. So he's like clean, like in the vein of like Brian Regan. Yeah, he's 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 Brian Regan, and like, oh yeah, my my wife. Uh, so like, that's I I'm battling like Drift Roberts and and Brett Erickson, and <laughs> I'm, I, that's that's who I'm battling for third and fourth place. Because well, I will never be number one or two. Never. Ever. Uh, I mean, uh, anything's possible. I have but... to get hooked on coke, set myself on fire, uh, suck a few dicks, and, <laughs> well, and then I would still just be hacking Richard Pryor. It depends on how bad you want it. <laughs> that, that better be some mighty fine coke. Uh, but, well, you know, well, you'll, well, I don't want to say that, <laughs> but uh, it's not hard to find in this city. Uh, uh, you never know. <laughs> well, I know, I know, because oh, I know okay. the guys who deal it. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's uh, cocaine and comedy are like, you know, yeah, pregnancy yeah. tests and NBA players. It's, <laughs> oh, just slipped in some material there on the slot. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I just watched WrestleMania, by the way, yesterday. I cried. Really? Yeah, I'm a big, I, I don't want to bore people. Uh, I, I've done about eight podcasts on the subject of Sting getting uh, yeah. fucking butchered oh. it i mean literally 30 years of the man's legacy was buried in under 10 minutes yeah like i, I sat there and i was like his could you at least put a bobby pin in your hair so i don't see a bald spot sting spot <laughs> i was trying to be nice fucking hair and i'm <laughs> i'm a sting guy let me tell you and this is how passionate i am i will talk about sting the next 40 podcasts and if you don't <laughs> like it well i tell you what you do if you don't like me talking about staying with jeremy paul and buy buy his cd you know just you know we comics struggle i mean i don't struggle but i mean jeremy, <laughs> jeremy's no i'm just kidding you know we tell jokes to you guys the least you can do is buy the product i get nothing from the sale of jeremy paul's cd but other than i'm gonna buy it before this podcast is over uh, and by the way, speaking of my CD, Earl Alive, don't buy it because <laughs> I didn't. I didn't renew my TuneCore account 
Ah, okay. and I know people have bought it since I didn't renew it, and I'm wondering where's this fucking money going? Right. So do not buy Earl Alive on iTunes. Why didn't you renew it? Um, I didn't like their uh, accounting, uh, like because I'm using TuneCore. Well. And maybe I misunderstand it, but you literally wouldn't get a check. Like if you sold, you know, ten CDs in uh, January, you wouldn't get the money till like late March. Oh yeah, the the two month, the two month layover. And then you know, for accurate, like SoundCloud is great for this podcast because you know I I released uh, the the turtle episode uh, today, and I could go on. Uh, and oh, it's a hundred lessons. You know, you get real time stats. I right. didn't like. You know, it's like well, I want to know how my CD is doing, and I have to wait two months to to figure out how many I sold. And, and well, the way I've been checking it is I've been checking the sales charts, like the charts right. itself. Like uh, my the the CD went from it opened on Amazon at thirty five, then it went up to number four on the comedy charts, uh, and on. It went to number fifteen on the R and B charts on Amazon, so I was like, "Okay, it's it's selling a lot. Uh, it can't just be selling four copies." Because uh, I was I was ahead of I was ahead of Kevin Hart, so I was like, "All right, well, I'm I'm doing well. It's selling a lot." So, because you did some, I like uh, your guerrilla marketing where you went on Fiverr. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm. I went because of you. I bought two things uh, off of Fiverr. I'm not sure if they're really working, uh, but you know, Fiverr is a site where you can literally pay anyone anything, or to do anything for five dollars. Yeah. And you, you know, they can make a video, plug in your Facebook. Yep. And, Have you requested a gig yet? Like a comedy gig? No. You can request like you can offer offer your what you can specify what it is that you want. Like in a requested gig uh, portion, and then people will bid on the gig. They're like, "Well, I can do this much for you for five dollars, or ten dollars, right. or twenty dollars," and that way you get a specific thing like to what you want. Right, right. No, I get it. I haven't done that. You know, I'm I'm lazy in that regard. I was like, "Oh, this guy, all <laughs> I, I think the second guy, I, you know, I, I think I gave him ten dollars or something. You can add extras if you right. want." Uh, he said he had seven. I don't get a piece of Fiverr, by the way. I don't. Oh, I don't I just, either. <laughs> I just, I just want to specify that I don't get a piece of my own fucking comedy album. <laughs> Someone from TuneCore is making money from it. You know. I think all you have to do is re renew it, and then you'll get your your money. Well, it's like with SAG. You know, I've been a member of SAG for like, you know, 1988. I booked my first two commercials ever. Okay. So I thought, and I had to join because I did a United Airlines commercial with Mike Singletary. <laughs> Oh, it's a great commercial, man. Bear down. <laughs> so I, I, I got to look for that though. I, you know, I, it's probably basically the commercial was uh, they were showing the advances in air travel or in travel in general, and the first part of the commercial is me and a bunch of other dudes being uh, sweaty, greasy football <laughs> players from like the twenties <laughs> on the plane on the train. Oh, so y'all were in the the leather helmets? Yeah. Y'all were leather heads? Oh, it's great. Oh, that's and awesome. And uh, they cut uh, Mike Singletary in first class on a United Airlines plane. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I had to join SAG. And then I, you know, I thought, wow, I got my first two uh, auditions ever, uh, you know, national commercials, which is pretty unheard of. Yeah. And I'm like, this business is easy. 
<laughs> and I literally didn't not just not book anything, but I didn't get a call back for like 15 years. Wow. So I stopped paying my dues and then uh wow. Long story short, I I found out that uh like, much like you're saying about TuneCore, it's like I've got like 10 grand in the SAG account from the uh, uh not the residuals. Right. But I owe them like 25 years worth of dues. <laughs> Well, how much is it? I don't I'm not in sex. So it's like three or four grand. Uh, oh, for so you me, gotta, you got to pay three or four grand to, just get, to get ten, 10 grand. grand. So it's like if people are just well, you still get seven grand. It, but you know, I don't know. We'll figure that out. But, <laughs> you know, I admire your basically. Long story short, I admire your business acumen. Well, it. I guess that comes from losing money myself. I, from I uh, gambling. No, not just gambling. I was. I was in the record industry. I was in the recording industry. I signed my record deal back in 1999 as a songwriter, and they gave me $100,000, and I blew all that. Uh, On what? (laughs) uh, Strippers in college and uh, not doing what I was supposed to be doing. I uh, had one record, make one song, make an album, and that's it. So actually, the fun part about me doing this album is that I can actually uh, like make like complete my album deal. Like I was supposed to make eight songs, make an album. So me making my own album, that's 14 tracks. So I've, I've more than completed my deal now by releasing my own album. Good for you. <laughs> so, ha ha. Once went publishing BMG Chrysalis, uh, Chrysalis records. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't know this. I always try and weave different, uh, genres of music. Uh, nothing wrong with it. Uh, Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Uh, first two records were on Chrysalis Records. Oh, nice. I think Vinnie Vincent, the first album, uh, was the highest selling debut ever. Uh, and then he lost his record deal. But, <laughs> I mean, Vinnie Vincent got kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. So. <laughs> How did he get kicked out of your own band? Well, he was a uh, legendary uh, 80s guitar player. He was in Kiss uh, three times. Uh, got kicked out of Kiss three times in two years. God damn. But he was so talented, uh, especially for that genre of music, and he is a very good songwriter, mm-hmm. uh, that they just kept bringing him back. They're like, yeah, fuck yeah. it, we deal. And then finally they kicked him out. He forms the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, and literally after like two years later, the, the other three guys kick him out of his band, and they form Slaughter. So, Oh, that's that sucks. And a shout-out to uh, Chrysalis Records for uh, helping Billy Idol through the lean years. <laughs> like... Uh- I, I love I'm, I'm a rock and roll dude myself. Uh, I, I love rock and roll, but I think the best guitarist I've ever heard was uh, was Michael Hedges. And who was what? Uh... Michael Hedges. He he was basically a solo guitarist. Okay, but uh, he died. I think he died in 2002 or 2000, something like that. He had a he drove off Laurel Canyon or something like that. Uh, but if you go online and j- just watch videos of him playing. Just cover, he does uh, uh what's what's the song um um ah oh, the she drives me crazy he does that, young cannibals yeah he does that on 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 guitar right okay and, and he plays the like he plays all of it on guitar and it's it's fucking majestic and it's beautiful oh there's uh so like I I've never seen a guitar player do what he's been able what he was able to do and like that's the best guitar player i've ever heard in my life and i've been around a lot of guitar players i've been a lot 
uh, man, music, music. Like I, my brother was uh, uh, was a house producer for Boys to Men, so I was uh, I was around a lot of music. Right. And uh, yeah, the greatest guitar player I've ever ever heard. I mean, I'm more of a Steve Stevens man myself, but mm-hmm. you got to give him a listen. You know who he is? I've heard the name, but. Like like Milton, uh, uh, Milton is a dude that mu- music. He he hit me to a lot of guitar. He actually hit me to Michael Hedges and made me listen to it because I was talking to him about Kai, uh, Khaki King. He's like, dude, that's nothing but Michael Hedges. I was like, okay, I got to look this guy up now. The greatest guitarist I've ever heard. Well, I want you to listen to Steve Stevens. Steve Stevens, keep an open. He's Billy Idol's guitar player, and he gets uh, uh, he did the guitar solo in Michael Jackson's song "Dirty Diana." He did that? Yeah, he did that. So he's very, uh, and he gets, uh, a lot of those 80s guys don't get the credit they deserve because of how they looked. You know, like if you look at Steve Stevens, even today, he looks like a New Jersey Shore housewife. (laughs) I mean, he's got the jet black hair. (laughs) Jersey Shore housewife. No, he really does. I mean, he, uh, it looks like that girl, Teresa, that that girl went to jail from the Real Housewives of, I think, Jersey or something. (laughs) Uh, and she was on The Apprentice. Uh, he he kind of Omarosa. Was, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't have a TV. So uh, it, no, Steve Stevens isn't that uh, uh, <laughs> unique looking. He does not look like Omarosa. Uh, <laughs> but if if you know, like he put out a flamenco album uh, called Flamenco A Go Go, and every person I've turned this album on to, I said, listen, whatever you do, just go on iTunes, listen, go on YouTube. And just listen to the audio files. Don't look at a picture of how he looks. Just listen to the playing. <laughs> and I mean, like if you can close your eye, close your eyes, yeah, and listen. He's amazing. To it. And there's so many guitar players like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know the and and drummers and bass players. You know and yeah. My brother was a bass player, so like he's he's. I've heard a lot of bassists in my time, like like uh, the basketball player Waylon Jennings. Like uh, Waylon Jennings, not oh, Waylon, yeah. Je- not Waylon Jennings. Uh, Wayman, Wayman Tisdale, Wayman oh, Tisdale. Oh, like, great, great, great basketball player. Great, great basketball player, but an even better bassist. Like, if yeah. You, if you've have you heard of? I have he, actually. Like, His blues. Uh, he does oh, primarily blues, right? Yeah, yeah. He he died a couple of years, like a few years back, but yeah, he's f- fucking phenomenal. I've, my, but I would say my brother was probably one of the top three. Bassists tend to die uh, quick, very quick. Except for Gene Simmons, <laughs> he'll uh, he'll live forever. Yeah, probably he'll 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 get a blood transfusion or something. You want to go uh, see a great bass solo? Go on uh, uh, YouTube and look up the Gene Simmons bass solo from the Animalize tour, nineteen eighty four. It's <laughs> it's like he has ten broken fingers. <laughs> Is he that bad? Uh, you know, oh. here's the thing about Gene Simmons. He could be, or could have been, or you know, he still could be, I guess, an amazing bass player because you you can tell he has respect for the music, right? But he kind of sold out and was like got too into the pussy and the money, and that who, who's to fault him? But right, uh, I think he had the potential to be uh, maybe not John Entwistle of the Who, but uh, you know, it's it's well known that in the '80s at least he didn't play too much bass on the Kiss albums. Ah, Actually, okay. a black dude did. That sounds about right. The great, uh, <laughs> the great, 
The, <laughs> the great, huh? The, the great Jean <laughs> Beauvoir of the plasmatics. Really? Yeah. The plasmatics? Yeah. He was, uh, I know that. He was a black uh, guy with the mohawk, and uh, he put out a few. Uh, he had a nice run. Uh, wow. He put out Shit. a few solo albums. Had a hit song on the Stallone soundtrack for the movie Cobra. <laughs> Feel the heat. Sad. <laughs> but, uh, uh, like, there's, I, love, I love good live musicians. I love it. Because um, if you can play good live, that's... Yeah, you know, in the studio, there's a lot of uh, trickery. Yeah, you, I've what I want to do. Like I've been trying to get it together. Uh, I want to do a live uh, presentation of one of the songs on the album because there's there's three three songs on on my album, right? Three actual songs. There's phone call. There's the hidden track that nobody can find. Good for them. Because uh, it's after one of the it's after one of the bits. So people hear the they hear the silence and they just skip over the uh the to the next track, and then there's the song polyester. Uh, polyester is basically a a short opera. <laughs> it's a very short operetto uh, about love going wrong, and uh, I want to do a a live presentation of that with me singing, a dude and a chick acting it out. I want them to improv whatever's going on in the song. So. Well, I would recommend Pete C and his girlfriend because they've had some issues. <laughs> that might make for some interesting, uh, you know, uh, theater. Yeah, yeah. Now I know you uh, you have a gig tonight at the Comedy Store, so uh, oh, okay. Yeah. But you know, big gig. <laughs> yeah, about, people will be there. It's all about the illusion. So I'm on. Uh, I'm, I got a couple questions okay, for you okay. before we uh, wrap this up. You're an interesting dude. That's. Uh, for sure, we didn't even get into the boxing and the and whatnot. We, oh, you know, well, well, we next will time. next time. Next well, time. no, we can't. Are you in a hurry? Well, what, well, well, how much time? How we much got? time do you have? I, I mean, I know, six minutes. No, like I don't know what time. Oh, you have to be out of here. Okay, we got twenty five minutes then. Okay, so we'll. Uh, you know, I don't want to end. This is great stuff. Yeah, yeah. We got now. You are a boxer yourself. Yeah, I, I, I'm a former boxer. Former. I uh, I I was a member of the River City Athletic Club. In Peoria, Illinois, I uh, I I boxed for about two years and amassed a six and one record, which they can't find apparently. Everybody remembers, everybody from my hometown remembers the first fight that I lost, because I lost my first fight. Is it a white guy? Yep. Oh, <laughs> watch out! Lost to a white guy. Uh, no shame in that. And like the reason why I lost was because uh, I was backing away. It was my first fight. I didn't have trunks. I was wearing sweatpants. Uh, so uh, I I was backing up away from one of his wild swings and I tripped over my own sweatpants and fell and the referee counted it as a knockdown so I lost I, I see nothing wrong with that kind of referee so I was I was mad and then I, I basically told the trainer uh, next fight I'm not going to do what you told me to do I'm just going to hit the guy really hard and that's what I did for the, the next six, six fights and I got five knockouts so uh yeah, I fear no one. I just hit people really hard. Well, it's funny. You remind me of... Uh... And then I quit for football. Good for you. I mean, <laughs> well, you So you were the opposite of uh, uh, Mark... Who was the guy uh, the guy on the Jets? Uh, Mark Gastineau. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. He uh, was a great, uh, amazing defensive lineman, and then he thought it would be a good idea to get into boxing. Well, Ken Norton as well. Yeah, but Ken Norton was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> but, I, but we're lucky because how old are you? I'm 36. I mean, I'm 10 years older than you, so I, I probably, uh, I really, there are some good things about being a little older is that I look at the era of boxing I got to watch. Right. Of guys in their prime. Well, I got to watch it too because I, I still watched uh, like old tapes. Right, right. Oh, yeah. That's the great thing about YouTube is like. Well, no, not even. I, our, our athletic club, we, we would watch old tapes. They would show us old boxers. So I'm, I'm well versed in boxers. And especially the heavyweights. Right? Yeah. I mean, heavyweights. You know, the prime Ollie, a prime Foreman, a prime Frazier. And, yeah, you you were talking about uh, Ron Lyle. Yeah, Ron Lyle last time. That was, oh. Well, I mean, it's uh, because even back then, it, to me. Uh, the, the Lyle Foreman fight, right? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, the second tier fighters, like a Jimmy Young. Uh, you know, Ron Lyle, uh, Ernie Cooney. Shavers, uh, Cooney to a degree, uh, Ken Norton. Yeah. Although you might say Norton was in uh, in the Ali Frazier Foreman category, uh, but I we were talking about, you know, so many people think that Hearns Hagler is the greatest uh, three round fight ever, which is a good fight. Oh, absolutely, Re- really I mean, good fight. Uh, but to me, I was trying to turn you on to this fight that I saw. It's a four and a half round fight uh, with Ron Lyle and George Foreman. Where even if you don't like boxing, even if you have no interest in boxing, uh, this will turn you into boxing because it's a prime George Foreman, and I don't know if I would say a prime Ron Lyle because he literally had just gotten out of prison seven and a half years. <laughs> um, but it, it's like you're watching a video game of Mortal Kombat. Uh, nice. It, it, they both knocked each other down several times, and this is, you know, George Foreman was virtually back then un knockable out that's, right uh, that's probably not a word on not <laughs> undefeatable he's a fucking tough dude to put on the canvas and yeah. ron lyle did it like twice and i think ron lyle has the best quote and he's since uh departed earth uh he had one of the best sports quotes ever uh when george foreman was, actually george foreman had the quote where he said ron lyle hits you so hard you don't hurt <laughs> which is beautiful yeah i mean it, it, <laughs> and it was just the atmosphere if you go on youtube and just uh search ron lyle george foreman it, it's in uh vegas i think it's caesar's palace people smoking ringside howard yeah. cosell is you know this is the greatest fight ever <laughs> and, and uh you know just both guys no defense just just throwing punches massive looping right hands by lyle that you know were thrown from the parking lot <laughs> you know foreman hitting lyle and it's just <laughs> you hurt watching these guys fight and uh that's the kind of fights that i like like people people say that uh like you said Hart hearns hagler they say the arturo Gotti uh, mickey ward fights fuck which were epic they were epic but I, th- I think Ward was hurt for the f- the second one, uh, so it's not really fair. And wasn't there controversy that one of them stuffed their gloves with, uh, yeah, not cement but plaster of Paris maybe or yeah. something? Yeah, which I guess is cement. It hardens. Yeah, it hardens. They they were saying that Ward does that, but uh, yeah, that's he didn't have to. He was he was fucking a drunken Irishman uh, right. fighting out there. I think there's a documentary on it. No, the, the movie, the movie, the fighter, uh, came out. Okay, and that was basically Mickey Ward and his brother, uh, who apparently had fought. I didn't even like they they that movie sprung some shit on me. I didn't know that he fought, the his older brothers fought Sugar Ray Leonard. 
Oh, like, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I apparently he knocked Sugar Ray Leonard down, and and uh, they yeah got a standing eight count, and that was his that was his high moment in his life apparently in the movie. So yeah, I was like, all right, Mickey Ward. Didn't yeah, know, didn't know that going in. Good job, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg, because yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm a big Mark Wahlberg fan just for his uh, '80s metal movie Rock Star. That was. Just- <laughs> That really, if you are a fan of 80s metal, Rockstar just nails it. Uh, Rockstar. Because <laughs> it's kind of a true story. Uh, it's based on uh, uh, Judas Priest picking their replacement singer from a tribute band. I, I remember the movie. I was yeah. like, dude, this is this is the saddest fucking movie I've ever seen. But it, Well, I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's really sad if you realize that that's how it was. Well, yeah. Like, we could just pick another singer. Yeah. You know, they... Didn't uh, didn't Journey? Was yeah, it Journey? same thing. They uh, they got a Filipino dude. Filipino uh, dude. They saw on YouTube. Yeah, and, like, uh, I, I guess that still happens. I think Boston uh, <laughs> did the same thing. And if you know anything about Boston, Brad Delp, uh, to me, had the greatest classic rock voice of all time. Uh, just you know, you'd love to see any American Idol or voice winner try and hit his high notes on more than mm. a feeling. They'd probably shit their pants. Yeah. Like, Temptations did it too. Yeah, the Temptations formed two different bands from the backup singers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how good they were. <laughs> yeah, the backup singers like you know what? We'll get some new lead singers. <laughs> we'll just do dance moves, and that's yeah. we'll have our own Temptations. So, uh, <laughs> you know, just... there was a there was a dude that was a bassist for the Temptations who claimed to be the sixth Temptation. I think was, I did a show. With yeah, him. in Lemire Park, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> he's like, I want the temptations. Like, you were the bass player. I'm all about fudging your credits. <laughs> Believe me on that one. I mean, I've had some shows that made you know made me seem like I was the second coming of you know Russell Peters. <laughs> uh, I mean, there was more fudge on some of my credits than a chocolate factory. <laughs> Even in my acting resume, when I was dumb enough uh, to try to do this, on my first acting resume, I put I was in Star Wars. <laughs> Literally, and, and the one of the casting directors called me out on it. You know, she said, "Well, you would have been uh, seventy-seven. You would have been nine years old." Uh, she just said you were an Ewok. I, well, I told her I was a stormtrooper. <laughs> nice. So suck it, and I got the gig. So nice. Um, See, I think Matt Champagne took over all your all your shit. all your possible uh, credits. I wish, man. Matt Champagne, <laughs> one of the most in-demand commercial actors on earth. Uh, you know, he, he uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, but he's a good dude, so yeah, I don't... We, uh, we were just talking, me and him were just talking the other day. Uh, actually, funny enough, when I left here, I, I thought the game that I was going to see was on that Saturday. Turns out it was yesterday. So I was like, ah, oh, fuck. So I just went and hung out at a, at a show, and I bought them donuts, and then... Uh, then Matt Champagne showed up. He was on the show. I was like, so me and him were talking about gambling and whatnot because Champagne gambles. So, <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah, he's he he, po- he plays poker. Oh, I bet he, he does. He's terrible. Uh, <laughs> so me and him were talking about gambling and whatnot. So, yeah, I think he took all your gigs for like the last 20 years. Yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, if you, I think he's in a progressive commercial. He's, he's uh, AT and T. Yeah, he makes, but he's such a nice guy. Yeah, uh, good guy, good guy. All right, so well, I see. A lot you said your questions, right? A lot of interesting questions. Okay, okay. Um, when, like, when I 
first knew I wanted to do, not necessarily stand-up, but be in the entertainment business. It was the fourth grade play where I played the milkman. Okay. And I got uh, probably my biggest applause to this day. Uh, just one line. Mm-hmm. Uh, this girl who I later ended up dating uh, in high school, <laughs> she's like, Earl, would you, do you want some cookies? Or no, she, she called me Mr. Milkman. <laughs> and I said, yeah, sure, why not? And it got a huge laugh. What was your moment like that that said, I want to make people laugh or I want to get in front of people? Uh, funny enough, I back in 1984. Oh, great year. Van Halen album came out. Yeah, I was, it was before my birthday and uh, Martin Luther King Park in Uh-oh. Peoria, Illinois. Watch out. Uh, they, they used to have a day camp there and during the summer. So uh, I would go to day camp and they would, they had breakdancing competitions. What? So, I I placed I think fifth in a breakdancing competition, and I was like, yeah, I want to do this. And then I went to school kindergarten because I started a year late, and um uh, was in kindergarten, and uh they had a talent show talent show and I was like I want to break dance I'm gonna have to bring some cardboard in to break dance and my teacher said no because uh I got bused to school by the way so I got bused from the projects to a mostly white school uh full of white people just just white kids all over the place well for the record I'm against uh integrate oh I'm sorry my, my <laughs> bad my bad I'm sorry I thought I was doing my roast battle character <laughs> so I got bused to school, so the teacher was this old white lady, and I told her I wanted to break dance and I needed to bring cardboard in. She's like, "No, why don't you learn some jokes?" So I, uh, I, I've told the story before, but not never on 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 microphone. Well, I'm so, humbled and honored. Yeah. So I I go home and I tell my, my mom like, "Mom, uh, they won't let me break dance. They said I have to learn some jokes. Could you buy me a joke book?" So me and my mom went out and we bought a book called Soup with Quackers. Uh, which lead which the lead joke was uh, uh, how do ducks like their soup with quackers? Uh, I of course hated those jokes, and then I watched some Fozzie Bear, and I was like, all right, that's how comedy is. So I I went to my dad, um, and I said, Dad, I don't know any jokes. Could you tell me one? So he was like, okay, I'll tell you a joke. And I went to school the next day for the talent show. And I told the joke that my dad told me to tell, which was, keep in mind, everybody's parents but mine showed up. <laughs> like, everybody's parents. Fifth grade, uh, kindergarten talent show, no, everybody's parents except for mine. Uh, they showed up, white class, and I told the joke, which was, why did the girl squirrel chase the boy squirrel up the tree? Because she wanted to taste his nuts. And Silence. Because you have a six-year-old telling a dirty joke. <laughs> and that's when I knew I wanted to do stand-up comedy. Well, you probably just got onto the finals of Last Comic Standing. <laughs> that joke. Seriously. Because I, I did what Fozzie Bear was doing. And I was like, I want to do this. This is what I wanted to do. So I've been doing it since I was six. I've been doing stand-up since I was six. I mean, I, I wish I started that early. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm still nowhere. <laughs> I live in Hollywood. I got a record out. People in L.A. think uh, people in in Peoria think I'm huge. Like people, I used, I did some touring. I toured. 
I've worked the road, but I'm still an unknown. So, you know, yeah, that's when I wanted to do it. But that's, I mean, to me, you've made it. You know, the yeah. fact that you can say you live in Hollywood, you've you've come out here from Illinois. Yeah. You know, you're still out here. I know a lot of people who, after the first year, yeah, you know, they, they I don't want to say quit, but they can't do it anymore because they can't. They can't afford it. Can't afford it. I mean, it's yeah. very, uh, it's, you know, L.A., Hollywood, West Hollywood, you know, very, very expensive. And, you know, yeah. a lot of comedy gigs when you're at our level don't pay. Right. Um, I, I do a lot of the $50 shows. <laughs> well, hold on. Let me rephrase that. I don't do a lot of the $50 shows uh, that you p- get paid on the table for. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, but even though. Not at all. Like, Not at all. You know, you have to travel too. You're probably spending twenty five, thirty bucks in gas, yeah. uh, dinner, or you know, any food or drink or whatever. Yeah. And at the end of the day, at fifty dollar gigs, you're breaking even. Yeah, that it's it's tough, man. But that's you got to you you have to pile them all together in one night, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, go to different shows, and even the roads even worse. You know. Like, yeah, that's why you have to have merch. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have to. And uh, like I I. I what have merch t-shirt- do you have right now? T-shirts. I got T-shirts, uh, sweatshirts, hoodies, and now the CDs. So, like, I'm I'm merched out, and ready. I don't have the keychains that everybody like. A lot of road comics in the Midwest have keychains. They uh, there was a there was a comic called Chinaman. I, I don't know if he still works the road or not, but uh, he was a Midwest headliner. Uh, he would sell dream catchers. <laughs> so, but he have dream catchers with a condom on it. And uh, that was his bit. Um, like you have former co- there's there's a former cop uh, turned comic named Mike Armstrong, Midwest headliner, who uh, you know he would he would sell like shot glasses and whatnot, which is just hilarious. He was a clean comic, but uh, yeah, I worked with him as well. But yeah, this you have to have merch if you're a road comic. You can't just go out expecting the money to come. Especially if you're featuring. Yeah, uh, featuring or headlining. You have no choice. So you end up doing a triple somewhere. uh, (laughs) Uh, Triple runs, uh, for those of you, that he's the most awful human being on earth. (laughs) Uh, Totally takes advantage of uh, younger comics desperate to do the road. Uh, I mean, everyone, I think there's even a documentary called Triple Run. And, uh, you know, I remember I did one. And, uh, <laughs> the contract he put up was so poorly written and wrong dates wrong addresses uh, was it on a napkin well no it was a contract oh, and okay. uh you know the greatest thing and uh you know was i uh it was like a three-week run okay uh three days before the first week starts he cancels the first week <laughs> And I had fucking canceled a, a pretty well-paying gig in town. I was supposed to MC the media tent oh. of uh, a Kiss FM concert. You, you know, turn- at, so uh, well, yeah, I'll be. And so then, two weeks and fourteen days on the road, six shows. <sighs> and after the first day, I go to the hotel, and they're like, "Oh, well, your hotel's not paid for till tomorrow." Oh, that's like, what are you talking about? So I call him. He's like, "Oh yeah, man." Uh, you know, you're only covered on the hotel for the night of the show. Oh, like, that's... <laughs> like, well, Dave, how the fuck... What, what am I supposed to do that eight days there aren't a show on? 
So he calls up the other guy he was co-booking this awful run with. It's like, oh, well, I swear to God, this is the advice they gave me. Well, here's what you do. You can either uh, go to the lobby of the hotel and hang out. <laughs> For a day? For a day. <laughs> or you go to a strip club, hang out, and then go. It's like, uh, I'm coming home. <laughs> and his only concern was, so I'm not getting my money? I'm like, uh, I guess not, brother. So uh, all you comics out there, if you're young, Avoid triple runs at all costs. They're oh man! Basically, it, it, wherever you live, just do an. If you want to know what a triple run is like, uh, do an open mic in your hometown and drive around for thirty hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. So you, you've done one? No, Rosenberg does them. But you know, he's a glutton for punishment. Yeah, yeah. Like he thinks that's doing the road, and yeah. like, but some, you know, it's a perfect business. Yeah, uh, like if he, cause he's 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 a he's a crowd work dude. He like me and him talk like I whenever I have an in state gig that I don't feel like driving to, I have I have Rosenberg open for me, cause you know why not? He, he's not gonna step on any of my jokes. I gotta get you on one of these shows that I do. Yeah, but, I definitely won't step on your jokes. <laughs> but like, I don't think you're unless you're doing uh, jokes about Bon Jovi. Uh, <laughs> No, I don't have any. Uh, I don't. I don't have an hour on Bon Jovi. No, I do. That's, uh, <laughs> I got an hour on Rat, Bon Jovi. Not combined. I have an hour on each. <laughs> combined. So, uh, if you '80s metal club bookers want Daddy in your room, I probably won't do the gig. But you know, just tweet me and we'll figure it out. But I, mean, hey, what's I support like, that. What's the like the word? So, you, have you done a triple like run where it just I, I once did a show, I, I tell this story all the time, I once did a show in El Paso, Texas back in like 2003, 2003 or 2004, one of those years, 2003, 2002, something like that. I did a show in El Paso, Texas, and I, end up fight, I ended up fighting a dude in the parking lot. Why? Because uh, he was heckling me, and like it wasn't even, it was at a bar, it was a fucking bar, uh, and he was heckling, and... He says something about my mom, to which I responded with, "I hope your I hope your daughter gets raped tonight." That and, might uh, be a good uh, <laughs> line to start off a fist fight in the parking lot. So he's like, "You want to go outside?" And again, I'm a former boxer. You don't challenge any former boxer to a, a fight, especially when you're drunk. Uh, so I was like, "Sure." I walked off stage and walked outside, and him and his two friends, well, two or three friends, they walked outside with him. And I hit that guy four times and he fell. And I walked back in. And the owner of the bar was like, yeah, I called the cops. You got to go. And I was like, ah, shit. So I hightailed it to the Greyhound station and went back to Illinois. That was probably the worst worst road gig I've ever had. You know, it's funny. uh, You remind me uh, of another, uh, visually, of course, very much of one of my favorite boxers from the 80s, the the since departed, the great, the late, great Michael Dokes. (laughs) Michael Dokes? You look just like him. Oh, dude. Dude. Hold on. He fought... Uh, he was a he big... Was, I think he fought like Larry Holmes. Yeah. And, you know, he was a champion at one point, but that yeah. was like... You know, it, it's kind of like... Didn't he lose to Burbick or something like that? Trevor Burbick, the great... The the uh, bohemian assassin who yeah. uh, I think was the last guy to beat Ali, uh, if I'm not mistaken. He might. Yeah, I think he was. Um, I think he lost... Dokes lost to Burbick or something like that. Well, I mean, he uh, there's a great YouTube clip of him where he's so shit faced, and <laughs> you know he, he's 
like they're at, I think he he had lost. The referee stopped, and then you could tell the announcers kind of goading him on. It's like, do you think you could have continued, Mister Dosky? And he's like, literally so punch drunk. He's like, yeah, man, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, my only, uh, and I know uh, it's uh, we got three minutes because uh, uh-huh. you have to go to your show, but. Okay. Uh, it reminds me of when I went to see, uh, who was it, Lennox Lewis and Klitschko at the Staples Center. And uh, great seats, basically the 50-yard line mm. for a boxing, uh, you know, high up. In the Klitschko. Mid- Klitschko fought Lennox Lewis at Staples Center. Might have been the first year Staples Center was open. And great fight, but most memorable is Leon Spinks sat right next to me and looks at me and goes, Hey, brother, what arena are we in? And I'm like... <laughs> Oh no! Wait, was okay. this for the movie "Play It to the Bone"? No, this is a real fight. They, he, Klitschko v- fought Vitaly or or that's the thing. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't remember which uh, Klitschko brother it was, but it was. Uh, you know, I didn't think I didn't think he fought one of the Klitschko brothers. Yeah, very early. I mean, this is like either late '90s or early 2000s. Wow. Uh, so I mean, let me look that up real fast. I know we got two minutes here, but I will never forget. Um, Leon Spanks asking me what arena we were in, <laughs> and I thought, "Are you?" I'm like, I thought, Jesus Christ, that's Leon Spanks, man. I was <laughs> like, I got starstruck. Was you know, he missing his two front teeth? Oh, absolutely. And, uh, <laughs> he had all these fucking losers around and these hanger-on types. Oh yeah. And uh, I was just like, "You're so fucked up. You don't know what arena you're in." Wow. So I told him we were at the Great Western Forum, and then I took <laughs> off. Uh, he nice. fought Vitaly Klitschko. Uh, okay, so he didn't fight Vladimir. He fought, I'm trying to get the uh, date of the fight, uh, June 21st, uh, 2003. Okay. And it was great because Klitschko had some great shots, but uh, uh, Lewis had literally opened up a hole in the side of uh, wow. Klitschko's head. It was like It looked like a gunshot, um, <laughs> but uh, very good fight. And uh, so, you know, it's uh, you're a, a jack of all trades: comic, music man, boxer. Is there anything you don't do? Uh, no. <laughs> like I, I've always said, if comedy didn't work out, I'd go into porn. Oh, well, I mean, you look like you have a big dick. We don't have to get into it's, that. It's 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 known. All right. Well, anyone who has a big dick, that's the answer they would give. Because <laughs> if you don't have a big dick and you're trying to fake it, you oversell it. Like, yeah. you know, like I got a big dick for a white guy. I mean, I'll just direct hey. people to my dick pic. And uh, <laughs> I've I've heard the legend of of Earl. I mean, uh-huh. it's probably not in your league or Jamar Neighbors, but uh, for a white, oh, I've seen Jamar Neighbors. His is bigger than mine. Uh, I will like that if the pictures that he takes aren't fucking angled and they're they're just what they are. That dude, he's swinging to his knees. I'm like, God damn, really? Well, I, I finished third behind you guys, but that that's a welcome uh, group to. If you're going to finish uh, third, that that's a good uh, third behind you guys is bigger than most people. Right. But, uh, right. So where can people? By the way, we haven't been recording this whole time. No, <laughs> just kidding. This is fully recorded. Uh, this is the part where I know on Twitter you are at at Jeremy Paul says. And uh, you can get your album on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Spotify, uh, Play Pandora, uh, anywhere that they sell albums, you can buy it. And what is your website again? 
Cabellion.com, K-A-B-E-L-I-O-N, or you can go to Acaba.com and it'll just redirect you, A-K-A-A-B-A.com. And uh, this comes from the heart, man. You're one of my good friends in comedy. Uh, you're one. Same. Of the, I feel the same, man. You're one of the few. Pe- I know we joke around a lot and all that, uh, but you're one of the few people. If I quit comedy tomorrow, I would talk to. Thanks. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, just so, please, guys. I know I at the end of every episode say, "Hey, follow this guy. Support this girl." You know, but uh, buy his album. It's really good, and uh, it's just a, a labor of love for him to get it out in stores and online. And uh, yeah, you know, he does it. Uh, we do it. Uh, you know, Rowdy Piper puts out his shirts. Stephen Piercy his albums. Uh, Turtle from North Shore. John Philbin the movies because we want to get love from the fans. Yeah. Um. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't do what we do. Uh. You know, unless you guys buy the product and and support us, and that helps us give you guys more better product the next time and whatnot so uh jeremy paul says on twitter and his websites just follow him on facebook too just jeremy paul you can go yeah jeremy paul uh also i'd like to state that if if i sell enough copies of this album uh there i have two projects in mind that i'm going to do it's either going to be my next comedy album stand up or i'm going to make the most controversial uh comedy album known to man uh, called the Slave Song Trio. Well, I'd like to be involved in that. I can. You you could be. Trust me. It's it's gonna be. It's gonna burn all kinds of bridges, and I love that. Well, uh, I could probably help co-write that song. Uh, <laughs> I'll, of course, I'll do it under a pseudonym. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people have said the same thing that uh, I've asked about it. My name on this album uh, will be uh, Vic Mackey. <laughs> it's, uh, Michael Chiklis character from The Shield. Guys, this. <laughs> Uh, you know, in actuality, uh, this was a three-hour podcast, but the recorded <laughs> version will be an hour and a half because of previously mentioned uh, technical difficulties, which was really, in all reality, me hitting stop instead of the record button. <laughs> if you're doing a podcast out there, if I can give you one advice before we sign off, um, you you got to hit record first. <laughs> uh, you know, this has been another fantastic episode of Inappropriate Earl. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please leave a review. And uh, don't buy the comedy album Earl Alive on iTunes. I get no money from it at the current moment. And it really is not that funny. So, uh, <laughs> Jeremy Paul will be back, back for more. Uh, this is Inappropriate Earl with a fully recorded episode and thank you guys for listening uh, retweet and favorite and share it on facebook it, it helps the numbers and the more numbers i get the better guests i get and the better podcast you get to listen to so thank you very much earl skakel on twitter facebook and instagram see ya